A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It's that time again. It's a Saturday night rather than a Sunday, but that's because Aston Villa have just played Arsenal. It's time for the insight. Very straightforward. We're going to look into the tactical details of this game. I've got Raj with me as always. Uh, just before we crack on, just want to very quickly say thank you for all the support. Keep supporting the insight and the podcast in general. More episodes coming your way, more content coming your way. So drop a five star on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you listen to the podcast. As always, Raj, as much as I want to chat to you about how life is, let's talk about the game. Immediate takeaways. We're literally recording within 40 minutes of full time. Yeah. Uh... I thought it was a hit-and-miss game in terms of quality. I think this wasn't Villa's best performance. I think even John McGinn referred to it after the game. He said it wasn't our best performance. We had some very tired legs, but we just managed to stick in there and grind out the tough periods. And uh, they did get a very good goal, which they can be happy about. It was classic Emery build-up. But then in Arsenal's case, I thought they did create enough chances. They should have got a result from this game. But I'm sure we'll talk about it later that the clinical edge wasn't there for them, really. Uh, I think Jesus and Odegaard, they missed some very big chances. Uh, and the bounce of the ball didn't quite go their way, even for, the, for example, the Kai Havertz disallowed goal. They did miss that bit of luck there. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I thought a fair result would have been a draw but on the balance of play. But, yeah, Villa, all credit to them. They did st- stick through the tough period. And, actually, they closed out the game very well. Uh, last 20, 30 minutes, there wasn't much going on in their box. So, yeah, all credit to them. Uh, Arsenal, I think you can't, I wouldn't go too heavy on, on them for this performance. I think the overall performance was good, but there's a few elements lacking, which we'll talk about later. I think it's only fair we start with Villa. Um, Arsenal, we've spoken about a few times, and I think there's some very interesting trends that maybe are happening. Uh, Villa also closed out the game against City really, really well. Um, they tend to have, I think at the moment, because they've got Unai Emery, they're at home. Unai Emery has notoriously been known to be a defensive coach. Uh, he knows how to drill his players down. 
now we've sort of got the assets on the counter. Like Ollie Watkins is a phenomenal striker for Unai Emery. He's a, you, actually, Raj, this is a completely different type of insight. But what must he be doing in the gym? Because he's about 5'10", but he is literally like a 5'10 tree trunk. Like, they can't get the ball off him. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's probably his core strength. Um, and even his kind of posterior chain, I call it, which is the lats and the rear delt area. I mean, he can't. people try to go through the back of him and you can't. Um, he, at, he just doesn't move. Yeah, yeah. He reminds me of Mario Mandzukic, actually. That kind of hold-up channel runner. They're a bit of both. Uh, and he pins defenders and you can't get the ball off him. His far post movement is good uh, in the box. So, yeah, he's a useful outlet to have in any game. He gives you a bit of a platform to play from. Uh, and then you look at the technical quality in deep areas. They've got an abundance of it. Uh, Pau Torres, uh, he's an excellent ball-playing centre-back. I think I love how he kind of manipulates the ball and creates new angles for himself. Uh, he's passing through pressure. He's not phased by anyone pressing him. He will take it on and find find a pass um, uh, in, into the midfield or into the fullbacks. Uh, and then the, the double pivot in build-up, Douglas Luiz and uh, Bubakar Kamara, I think those two are excellent. They are probably, let's have a think, I'd say they are the best balanced pairing, in, midfield pairing in the Premier League at the moment with Liverpool struggles in midfield, Arsenal not having the right partner for Rice, in my opinion, Man City are not having the right midfield combination with Rodri and nobody else really next to him. Yeah, I think Villa are the most balanced midfield pairing with those two. Kamara and Luis Kamara, excellent in the first phase. He's, uh, again, very press resistant. But then Luis, he's like more of a connector from the first phase into the final third and middle third. He have a drive of the ball himself. He finds a forward pass. He knows how to control the tempo if he needs to slow it down. He knows how to speed it up and launch counterattacks. He's been the real the central hub of everything after Kamara's played through the pressure. So, yeah, those two have been mm. impressive. Um, and today as well, John McGinn, I think especially mention of him in the last two games, he reminds me of Conor Gallagher, really, in terms of his insatiable work rate. He never tires this guy. He's closing you down, pressing all the time again. And also he's very tough to rob the ball off. Um, uh, uh, and, yeah, so they've got a bit of everything in there. Leon Bailey's also come to the fore as well. I think their wing threat actually did dissipate after Bailey came off today. I think he obviously caused Zinchenko problems with the goal. I don't think Musa Diaby was as good when he came on. I think his dribbling and 1v1s wasn't at the same level as Bailey. Um, and his delivery into the box wasn't that good. So, yeah, they've got a, a bit of everything in this team. There's no, I'd say, standout star, but plenty of quality everywhere you look. I'd also completely agree on the fact that when I watch his Villa team, it's probably quite reflective of... Um, probably quite reflective of where the league is as well, where you've got this one side that are rigid, difficult to beat, and they have moments of quality, top-end quality. Leon Bailey's come up with a few himself, who's a DRB as well. Um, and then you've got a really good coach. And I, th I think we've spoken about this before. The coaches are probably better than the teams in the league. The individual quality in the team is um, not as high as maybe previous years. But when you've got Unai Emery as the gaffer, I mean, if I read this team out to you before, uh, before the game, or let's say before any of the season, Luca Dean at left back. Uh, many times we've said he's very sus defensively. Diego Carlos is someone you're not the biggest fan of in the world. Um, Ezri Konza playing out of position. John McGinn playing left midfield. Luca Camaro is injured. Douglas Luiz who was sort of down tools not that long ago. Yuri Tillemans who also down tools at Leicester. You're going five or six of those players should not be third in this division. Mm. But credit to Unai Emery and what he's done. Um, on the point very quickly on Unai Emery, what is it that you think he's done? 
tactically in game and also pre game because he's just taken on two of the best teams in the country and beaten them both. Yeah, I think the key with Emery is obviously his mid block is very well organized. He's obviously everyone's talking about his high line, so he pushes that line defensive line very high up. Um, and then he also has the front two and the midfield forward not dropping all the way back, so they are applying pressure in the right areas. So the press isn't really intense, but when the ball gets into an area where someone can find a pass over the high line, he does apply pressure in that way and forces the team backwards. So it's a very compact system off the ball. Um, I do think you can still get at them if you get in the right area and manipulate their shape to one side and switch it to the other. You can then find passes at the top of their high line. But what their centre-backs are doing in very well, Carragher's mentioned this a couple of times, their, their body position is spot on to combat that ball over the top. So when they see a passing coming, they will turn their body and get ready to run with their man. Um, and that that's brilliant. And the other part, there, there are periods of Aston Villa's build-up which are impossible to defend. I think he saw that for the first goal. Um, so it's a classic Emery move. What he does, he, he kind of builds up in a back three. Um, in this case, it was Ezri Konza as a right-sided centre-back who's really stretching on the far touchline. And he finds a pass to Bailey who drops from the right-wing position. Then won the double pivot. In this case, it was Kamara supports the winger and finds an inside pass. Bailey finds the inside pass to Kamara. Kamara then finds uh, Tielemans in the half space. And Tielemans then has a, a run for Bailey, who participated in the build earlier to find in behind. And it's happening so quickly because I think Emery's coaching of build is very good on training ground, but you can't stop it. And Arsenal couldn't stop it. Zinchenko exposed. Uh, the passing was so fluid and they got their goal. And, and, and as I say, it's one of the goals which is almost impossible to stop. So that coaching of build-up is why I think Villa have a very strong chance of getting in the top four. I think it's a lot better than, for example, Ten Hag and Pochettino's coaching uh, of how Chelsea and Man United um, build up. So, yeah, I think they're right in the mix for a Champions League place. We sort of spoke before we started and I kind of said, I don't see Villa getting top four. Um, but everything you've said like convinces me otherwise that coaching-wise, and as I've actually bought into the idea as well that actually coaching has become more important than the individuals, and that's been proven so far this season. Um, so I can side with that. Um, over to Arsenal. You mentioned Zinchenko. He's someone that I've spoken about a lot of times and said, I think Arsenal need an upgrade at left-back. They brought in Timbo, picked up an injury. They've got Tommy Asu, who's also injured. Um, they tried Kiwio there at left-back. So I think it's also quite clear that Arteta feels like he's not fully convinced on Zinchenko or whoever is at left-back. Um, you've spoken before about the fact that he's got a lot of pros and cons. This game probably showed both. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Pros and cons, right? Yeah, I think... 
you saw the two sides of Zinchenko today. I think he was the, uh, Arsenal's most uh, threatening playmaking threat. I think he was the one supplying the passes which were able to penetrate the Villa high line, um, both in the air, over the top, also along the ground. Um, and yeah, that is a definite strength of him, of his and why he inverts into midfield. Just as a nugget, I did speak to Philip Lahm recently and he said Zinchenko is his favourite inverted fullback at the moment. So yeah, he definitely has strengths in that regard. But the defensive side of the game is where he's lacking. I think he saw for the goal, he didn't have the foot speed to match Leon Bailey. He never will have that. Um, his 1v1 defending when someone's dribbling at him is also very suspect. So he's got big weaknesses there. And Arsenal have a game coming up at Anfield. We saw last time when Arsenal uh, kind of lost the title last season, Salah and Trent roasted Zinchenko. So they've got a big dilemma. Do they lose the playmaking threat? Because they haven't addressed um, Xhaka's absence with a playmaking threat in midfield. So they need Zinchenko there to cover for that. Or do they cover more defensively and go for a defensive-minded left-back like Kivi or, or if Tommy Yassi's fit? Big dilemma for Arteta. And I don't think there's a perfect solution to it. I was going to say, I was literally just going to say then, I can't see a solution. Because on one end, you've got Arteta's ideals and his philosophy, which he won't want to lose, which is fullbacks, in particular that left side, that help make the game, that help create the game. In, in, in the same regard, you could argue it's like Trent's dilemma with Klopp that actually Liverpool, do they play a proper right back or do they keep Trent inverted? It's got its pros and cons. The only difference I would say in that regard is Trent's output is far higher than Zinchenko's and much more quantifiable. The Zinchenko issue, as we saw at Anfield, like you said correctly, and in this Villa game, also comes to that Arsenal midfield spot. You just mentioned Xhaka. I'm not going to talk about Xhaka more than that. I have, I've spoken about him so many times on the inside. That area of the pitch hasn't been addressed. They don't have uh, a midfielder that runs beyond. They don't have a midfielder that now creates space for the wide players. So now Saka and Martinelli are just expected to win 1v1 duels, which isn't that easy in the Premier League, especially if, say, like Saka today come up against Luka Dean, and Luka Dean just stayed glued to him for 95 minutes of the game. He, he said, I'm not going to go forward, I'm just going to stay. And that's not that difficult to execute. Um, so Zinchenko becomes a massive problem. Then the left side of midfield position becomes a massive problem. And then the striker position is a big issue. There are three issues that I think were exist that did exist last season, and I don't personally feel like Artes has addressed them. And when he has, I think he's actually almost overdone it, say, by bringing Kai Havertz as a left-sided uh, eight. Yeah, I, I think Kai's doing some decent work in terms of his off-ball runs. He's, he could have got a goal today. I think he was quite unlucky with the bounce of that ball hitting his hand uh, before the disallowed goal. Yeah, as you say, it's the build-up that's an issue. And that is why you have to play Zinchenko there. Um, I think the other issue today was Gabriel Jesus. I think his he would, didn't have that clinical edge with taking his chances, nor did Martin Odegaard. And that's what cost Arsenal in the end. Um, those two not converting their chances. They need that clinical edge. Um, obviously, Liverpool have it with Mo Salah. City have it with Erling Haaland. Do Arsenal have that guy who will put away the chances whenever they get them? That is the question, I think. Saka's turning into more of a playmaker these days. So those runs into the box aren't happening as often. He's getting the ball to feet and he's been doing a wonderful job at creating stuff. Uh, Martinelli on the other side isn't getting fed those chances as much. Um, he did have one which was tight with an offside in the first half. Came from a Zinchenko pass over the top. Um, oh no, Gabriel pass over the top. But yeah, Arsenal need to find a better clinical edge. And maybe that's why they might get a striker in the, in the January I'm not convinced that's the right move, but yeah, we'll have to see. So this is what I was going to ask you, right? Gabriel Jesus is the point of conversation here. And I think this is where Arteta's got a, a really difficult dilemma that 
obviously lots of top top coaches to have. Liverpool have it currently, say for example, with Gakpo and Nunez. Which profile do you prefer? Manchester United have it with Hoyland and Martial, although it's pretty clear who the number one is there. Every team has these dilemmas. Arsenal's dilemma is Gabriel Jesus is a fantastic footballer and brilliant to watch, obviously. That's a given. Everyone knows that. And when he's hot, he's brilliant. The, I think to the Lens game this season, or Lawrence game, whatever you want to call it, um, that he ripped them to shreds. Then you come to this sort of fixture, and I tweeted and people didn't like it, but this, these are the games that I think you have to judge Gabriel Jesus by. Because if Arsenal want to win the title, you need a guy who's putting the ball in the back of the net in the big games. And even when Jesus was at Manchester City, he had this issue that he'd, he'd come up with great moments and create great situations for himself and then not be clinical enough. There was a moment in the second half where the ball gets played into him. He takes it down with his foot, but he's actually got his back turned to goal, but there's, there's no one behind him. And he decides to just drop it off and give the ball away. There's also a moment in the first half where he takes one defender on, and I'm thinking, just hits it with your left. He puts it back onto his right, then back onto his left, then back onto his right, and gives the ball away. I just think in these games, if you don't have a clinical striker and you're chasing down the Premier League, these are the games that I think Gabriel Jesus has to become more clinical in. But then the dilemma is, and you just said then, is a striker even the right solution? What do you do with Gabriel Jesus? Yeah, he's always going to have pros and cons to his game. That's the problem. Um, and Pep knew that. That's why Pep got rid of him in the end. I think he knew technically you can't fault Gabriel Jesus. Brilliant dribbler when he takes it on the turn. Brilliant pass of the ball uh, in tight spaces. It's that finishing touch. And I don't think he's ever going to get it at this stage of his career. Um, you've seen it on the international stage. Brazil fans are very frustrated with his finishing. Uh, and Arsenal, he does have flurries where he does score goals. Uh, Champions League, especially the season, he's been very good. But then... As you say, he's missing that final edge sometimes. Uh, I think Arsenal have to put up with it. The solution, what could it be? I do think if Arsenal had a better and more creative midfield, the volume of chances would be so much that they wouldn't be concerned enough, that much with the finishing. I think the volume of chances has gone down. Now there's extra stress on the finishing compared to last season where they were creating more. So that's now the issue. So I, I probably would carry on with Jesus uh, and in January, as I said, I wouldn't go for a striker. I'd be going, looking at a left-sided eight position, let's get a creative hub in there, a playmaking guy who can switch to play, play passes in behind, and then we can boost the goal output that way. That would be my solution. I'm inclined to agree, but equally, it's so difficult, I think, to find that profile for Arsenal. Um, and that's why they've crowbarred Kai Havertz in there. Fabio Vieira was supposed to be the profile. But then equally, you could argue it's going to be really difficult to find a striker that fits. He's got a dilemma, Arteta, a massive dilemma. Um, anything else on the game that I've maybe missed in, in terms of either team, possibly? Yeah, I think the final point I'd like to make is you look at that starting 11 for Aston Villa today, there's only two players in there that Steven Gerrard had, didn't have. So, Yuri Tielemans and Paul Torres. And that shows the importance of structured coaching, training build-up patterns on the on the on the training round, organised defensive shape, uh, especially with that high line, and then pressing at the right moments. This is a coaching transformation from Unai Emery, and he deserves all the praise in the world because Villa were relegation candidates last season, and now he's transformed them into Champions League contenders. And I think with the technical quality in their team, they have a very good chance of competing with probably with Spurs and Newcastle. For that fourth Champions League spot. Couldn't have said it better myself, to be honest. Um, 
Unai Emery. He's, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, and we won't talk about this on this episode of The Insight, but I think we should at some point, a lot of talk about why he failed at Arsenal and whether he is like a Villa-type manager and maybe not a Chelsea-Arsenal manager, etc., etc. Um, I also just wanted to very quickly say that I've, I found one thing I found very interesting in this title race that's going on at the moment is, and I've said this before as well, I think the general quality in the league is very poor. Um, Liverpool are top of the league with 37 points. They've just beaten Crystal Palace. They've had four red cards this season. Uh, they don't They don't have a six. And they play transition football at the moment, relying on individual quality, essentially. Um, Man City aren't quite right. And I, I want to put this out early that I think the moment De Bruyne comes back, they'll win 12 games straight and walk the league. Um, unless Arsenal fix up. But it, it, one thing is for sure, when you have teams like Villa doing what they're doing, it makes for a very fascinating type of season. Because Villa could rock up at... And uh, well, actually, Liverpool beat them already, but they could rock about Newcastle and have a massive result, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, either way, very good result for Aston Villa. Unai Emery is cooking. Raj seems very happy, and we've also had some. What did you call it? The spine dealt. What was it to do with Ollie Watkins? <laughs> the posterior chain, man. The posterior, the posterior chain. chain. Another, <laughs> another, another random phrase. This is actually a scientific Raj. term, to be honest. Oh, I see. Oh, fair enough. Clearly, I need, <laughs> I can't, to, I need to... I can't claim this one. <laughs> it just the way you said it, the way you said the posterior chain between the delts <laughs> and the spine, hugely important. Shout out Ollie Watkins' spine and delts. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode of The Insight, then make sure you drop a like, follow the pod, follow Raj, and follow at No Ratings Pod across socials. We'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.